We have a signal now for when I'm needed. But when that light hits the sky, it's not just a call. It's a warning to them. Fear is a tool. They think I'm hiding in the shadows. Live from the underground airwaves of Gotham City, it's the Batshit Podcast. Your one audio stop for all things Dark Knight related. From the slanted ears of yesteryear to the monolithic skyline of Neo-Gotham, if it has to do with a cape and cowl, it'll appear on this show in one form or another, eventually. I mean, who knows? Got a lot of shit to work through. As always, I am one of your hosts, Reina Cervantes, who is a firm believer that Jason Todd deserved to die. And with me, as always, <laughs> is your other host, Madison Fairchild, who loves Batfleck and Suicide Squad 2016? Question Woo! mark. <laughs> Listen, I'm a stand, baby. <laughs> the, these, these hot takes coming right out the gate in the intros this week for some reason. I, f- I figure like every episode we could do like a new hot take for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. I, I like to torture myself. Who knows? I gave two, so I feel like... Yeah, but like, is Batfleck being unpopular like a hot take? Being unpopular? Yeah, like he's like very hot... unpopular. <laughs> People is hate he his ass. Yes, no, because I, I didn't feel get like... bullied on Twitter for years just for you to say he's popular. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But like, who wins at the end of the day? Because look who's appearing in the Flash movie in Aquaman. I mean. Does that mean he's popular or does that mean he has a contract? We'll see next week on the Batshit Podcast. Okay, no, stop. I heard he had been wanting to get out for years. There's no way he's like coming back like against his will. It's The Rock. The Rock did it. The Rock convinced him? Just like The Rock Rock is going to get Superman back. Well, he did say the power hierarchy is going to be changed in the DC universe as of uh, in a couple weeks, I guess. So maybe he's and got Superman's some cool. coming back. <laughs> no, that's not confirmed. Is it? Did they confirm that? Did you see that interview yesterday? No, I don't. That's I don't totally read it. What he was saying, he was like, well, I'm the most powerful being on Earth. But there's another man. He's been dormant for way too long. He was talking about Superman. No, he was talking about dark side. Let's be honest. Nah. Yeah, well, listen, I don't like how they're basically relegating Henry Cavill to like versus like team ups, whatever. Beside the point, um, today we're going to be looking at one of the most legendary characters in the entire DC multiverse. Someone who's won over the hearts and minds of so many people across the world. Someone who who's added a little spunk, a little chaos to Batman's world and become the third pillar of the DC lexicon in the process. That's right, we're talking about the one and only Harley Quinn. In particular, we'll be discussing her first appearance on Batman the Animated Series in the episode Joker's Favor, as well as her most recent appearance from her own self-titled animated series in the episode The Horse and the Sparrow. As we compare and contrast her presence, I'd like to welcome our very first guest to the Batshit Podcast. She is a staff writer for the Harley Quinn animated series, and a writer for the Harley Quinn animated series spinoff comics. Please welcome to the show, Alexis Quasarano. Hey. Hi. Hello. Thank you for joining us this evening. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk about Harley, my girl. <laughs> We're so excited to have you. Yeah, I don't think we've we've kind of established on this show before that me and Madison are kind of like, I don't want to say sick in the head Harley fans. We're but sick in the head Harley fans. It's bad. It's a sickness. Is it though? 
Well, I mean, she's great. She is. We both basically have had Harley Quinn themed bedrooms at one point in our lives. It's bad. I love that. So I need to see photos. If I'm being honest, behind me, I have a framed Birds of Prey and a framed uh, Suicide Squad Mondo. So I think my bedroom is still Harley Quinn themed. Yeah, yeah. I feel like one of the first one of the earlier things that we talked about in our friendship was our Harley Quinn collections, just like sharing photos of it. So it's kind of full circle that we're here talking to you about our favorite girl. (laughs) I'm honored. So before we really get dive into our topics, um. Alexis, how did you get into like the world of Batman or Harley Quinn? Like, how did you end up falling in love with this whole universe? Um, let's see. Well, I mean, I watched Batman animated series and like growing up as a kid, like most everyone. And I like enjoyed it. I wouldn't say I was like a huge like Batman nerd like as a kid, but I was like, oh no, this is like a fun show to watch. I enjoy it. And then it really got into Batman Beyond, and that was like more of my jam. And then when I got to high school, I forgot what was happening, but it was like, I think Halloween was coming up and Dark Knight, I think had just come out or it came out that year, I believe. And I was like, to my friends, I was like, oh, we should do uh, a DC like Injustice League related uh, group costume. And so I got them all on board. And then I was like, well, obviously I have to be Harley because she is the only like female villain besides Poison Ivy, because my friend was doing that. I was like, I'll be Harley. And at the same time, I was also in like an abusive relationship. Uh, not to get dark right off the bat, but uh, I'm fine now, guys. Uh, it's all good. But like in that mindset, I was like, oh my God, we're just like Harley and Joker, which is such a sad thing looking back. Oh like, my. Thanks. But at the time, I was like, oh, my God, it's so it's so cute. Oh, my God, he loves me. He's like a jerk, just like Joker. And I'm just like Harley. Um, you know, really a good mindset to have is like a 16 or 17 year old. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I was like, became obsessed with this idea of Harley. because I was like, well, she's like super cool. And like, I just remember her from like, the animated series, but I didn't really know that much. So I like went on this huge deep dive about her and I would watch like animated music videos on YouTube, <laughs> to, like the sex bomb song or like, um, it was just, I was like, what am I doing? This is so funny. And just like watching those becoming obsessed with her. And then I got to, I made like a really half-assed, uh, like hot topic inspired Harley outfit, which is so embarrassing looking back now, but it was like fun at the time. And then I kind of like fell off the Harley train. And then in college, I started working at uh, a comic book shop. Shout out to Golden Apple, um, Melrose. Uh, so I worked there, which like got me back into like the comics of it all. And that like kind of kicked it off again. And so I was like catching up with like what Harley had been up to. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's like changed so much. And this is like what an inspiration she is almost and not almost she is an inspiration and then I got the opportunity to be Justin and Pat's assistant on the Harley show and it was like there where I was like oh my gosh she's like become this like, strong independent woman and seeing like excuse me like comparing it to like 
my journey from like going from this like abusive relationship in high school to now being like independent and like away from that and like doing things on my own and figuring my own life out. And it was just like really nice to see like a character in comics that I could compare myself to. And not that I'm like the same as cool as Harley because I have nowhere near as cool as her, but it was just like nice to see a character where I could like relate to on a deeper sense than just like oh my god, she likes a boy. Oh, I can relate to this. It's like, oh no, she like went through these like huge changes in her life, like mentally, emotionally, and just like that connection there. So it's just, I don't know, an interesting journey from high school to my early 30s. And here I am now um, living the dream. And it's just really exciting to actually be writing for Harley and completely not circle. That's so cool. Oh my God. Wow. Holy shit. (laughs) I cannot even express to you how much of a safe space this is because girl, I'll send you some of my cringy high school couples costumes of Harley and Joker. It's bad. It's bad news. (laughs) So I so understand. Yeah. The worst thing was my like ex at the time, he didn't even dress up like Joker. No. (laughs) No, I was definitely in that hole. I like I went through the trend of dating boys that are mean to everyone except for me. I'm so special. So I definitely projected myself onto that relationship. Uh, I mean, Joker's mean to Harley too, but whatever. Um, So this is a safe space for ex Harley Joker fans in here. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, But yeah, it's it's nice to see like an actual like three-dimensional character like dealing with things that isn't really talked about or I mean it's talked about now more in like comics and media but like back then it really wasn't I didn't like I oh, it's like discussed. she grew up with us almost yeah which is cool Madison do you have a particular history with the character bro I, I can't even get into it <laughs> Um, yeah, I said this on the last episode. I watched the animated. I was very, very into the animated series as a kid. Um, I wanted my mom and forced my mom to put me in gymnastics because of Harley Quinn. I went through a phase where every Halloween I was like, I want to be Harley. I want to be Harley. My parents didn't let me. My dad didn't let me. But my mom would call me Harley after that because she thought it was very cute how into it I was Um, in high school. It got worse. I started collecting everything Harley Quinn I could get my hands on, every comic, poster, statue. It was bad. And then I had all my friends were by the time I hit like 18, none of them were into comic book stuff at all. And I got a chunk of my friends into Harley Quinn specifically because I was awaiting the new suicides or the new the first Suicide Squad movie to come out. Um, And I was like, okay, we're going to get you in Harley Quinn. So I made them read comics with me. Um, Those poor babies, I took them to Killing Joke when it came out. I Not that that, just I got them into DC is what I'm saying. That's that's criminal that you like. I know. Did you show them the movie or the comic? No, the movie. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Jail time. No, I'm kidding. We can censor that. (laughs) And uh, I don't know. It's just... Then that came out and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I had fun. I saw Suicide Squad twice opening night, four times opening weekend. I don't care that it's bad. I don't care. I love it. And then I don't know. I kind of feel like I didn't fall out of love with the character, but um, my focus shifted on other things like uh, like Star Wars um, and stuff like that. 
But every time there's something new, like the Suicide Squad, uh, Birds of Prey, the Harley Quinn show, which I love so much, I fall back into the pit, which is my lifelong obsession with this character. I also, I'm sorry, keep going. Um, I had at one point an Instagram, a cosplay Instagram. It was only Harley Quinn. I only followed other Harley Quinn cosplayers and I only cosplayed as Harley Quinn. I had like eight or nine in the rotation. It was so sick and twisted. I can't even believe I was like that at one point. <laughs> I I love the amount of cringe coming out tonight from everybody. <laughs> yeah, I Harley brings out the cringiest side of me possible. And that's saying a lot because you know me. But Harley doesn't judge. So it's yeah, exactly. Yeah, she encourages us. She taps into something in my brain that should be kept quiet. <laughs> what about you, Reina? What got you into the character? Uh, so like Alexis, I grew up at that particular like generation where, uh, Batman, the animated series was very popular. I was more so into the new Batman adventures where, uh, it was more focused on the Bat family. And I think it was like running side by side with Superman, the animated series. And, uh, there's a particular episode in that one called, uh, Harley and Ivy, where it just focuses on them mm-hmm. two. And I just grew infatuated with those two characters after seeing that. Then I kind of fell out of the comics and fell out of the show, fell out of everything. And then when I started to get really into Batman again, it was around the Dark Knight era and uh, the game Arkham Asylum had just come out. Yeah. And uh, that game blew my socks off. I was like, I'm totally ready to get back into comics. I didn't for a couple of years, but Harley is like a main player in that game. Granted, her depiction isn't all that great in that game. Let's just say that the Arkham games leave a lot to be desired for Harley. Um, It was just always kind of in the back of my mind that I wanted to see more from the character. Um, And then the new 52 happened. And that was when um, they moved Harley to the Suicide Squad. And I didn't know what the Suicide Squad was, but my dad, who read uh, the old Suicide Squad runs like in the 70s and 80s, he was like, oh, he was like, you're going to love it. It's like he didn't say it was the edgiest thing ever, but he like pitched it as like the edgiest <laughs> thing ever where it's like they're they're bad guys and they're all like on suicide missions. And if they fail, they die. And I was like, oh, that sounds awesome. So that was one of the titles I actually started reading in the new 52. Again, not the greatest example of Harley, if I'm being honest. I love her in those. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. No, (laughs) no. I mean, I'll I'll just say when uh, the Jimmy uh, Palmiotti and Amanda Connor run started happening of her solo series was where I got fully on in on the character. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, That legendary solo series like really rocked my world. And then obviously I'm into movies and one of my favorite actresses is Margot Robbie. So when they announced her as Harley Quinn... I basically entered like rabid mode and (laughs) got like even more obsessed with the character. And I guess the rest is history. Like, like I'm, I'm super known, like not super known, but well known online for being a very vocal Harley fan. Um, like even when something comes out with her and it's not that great, I'll be like, here's why it failed her as a character. Like I'm one of those people, Mm -hmm. but, uh, I did, I do like this era that we're living in where, She's very three dimensional, like in a way that she's like one of the deepest DC characters now, whether it's in her own title 
in the Batman main title, the Harley Quinn animated series. Chances are if something comes out and it's got Harley now, you're going to get like a pretty good like story from her. At least that's how I feel. I I'm, I mean, I don't think anyone's going to disagree with that, right? No, we all agree. <laughs> it is like wild to think how she started off as just like she has so little screen time in her first uh, appearance to now just like be one of the like main draws into the DC universe. Like, I mean, that was the whole reason I did see the first Suicide Squad movie was I was like, oh, I'm seeing it for Harley doing this for her. And, uh, and I really, I did enjoy the second one a lot. Um, and I did see Birds of Prey, I think twice with like back to back opening weekend, um, Friday and Saturday, I think like obsessed. Hell yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, definitely agree. I mean, let, let's be honest. Everybody saw that first Suicide Squad for Harley. We all wanted to finally see that character on screen in the flesh for the first time. Yeah. Margaret Robbie, uh, she kills it. Definitely. Speaking of Harley's first appearance, Madison, do you want to introduce the first uh, episode of television we'll be talking about today? I sure do. Um, let me pull our notes up. Sorry. So the first episode that we watched for this for this episode was um, Joker's Favor. So that is Harley's first appearance ever in canon. It's season one, episode 22 of Batman, the animated series. And if you haven't seen it, it is on HBO Max. Its air date was September 11th, 1992. It was directed by Boyd Kirkland, written by Paul Dini, starring Mark Hamill as the Joker, of course, Arlene Sorkin, Ed Begley Jr. and Kevin Conroy. And it's about um, after a man named Charlie Collins has an altercation with the Joker over his bad driving, the Joker intimidates Collins into doing him a favor. And like I said, it's Harley's first ever appearance. She would not exist if it wasn't for this show. Definitely. Um, Alexis, do you have a particular history with this episode or thoughts? Like, why did you want to bring this onto the show? Oh, I mean, I remember watching it as a kid, uh, but like when I, I rewatched it last week before we got here and I was, like I said, I was honestly surprised with how little screen time she had because in my head I had built it up to be, I thought it was, an episode, I thought it was like her whole episode. Like going based on like my childhood memory, I was like, oh no, this is a full Harley episode. And I watched it and I was like, oh, it is not a full Harley episode. She is barely in this. Um, but yeah, I was just, I guess I like built it up or I combined all of her appearances from the mm-hmm. show into mm-hmm. like one episode. And that's just like what I took with me. Uh, yeah. So it was a shock to. If I, oh, I'm it. so sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, no, no, that was it. Just if, shock to rewatch. If I remember correctly, she was written as like a one-off. They weren't going to bring her back, but because of fan reception of her, that's why they brought her back. So I believe that's the reason she's not really in the episode because she was just a henchman. Like she wasn't going to be a big reoccurring decades long (laughs) character. There's actually some like weird masculinity reason of like why she was created is uh I mean I'll talk more about it when we get to it but uh what do you say we we just dive right into the episode yeah let's do it um so the episode opens up and we open on Charlie Collins and he's all disgruntled driving on the freeway he's like a typical working man like hates his wife uh hates his life as well and just all around just kind of a toxic person right now uh he's cutting cars off and then another car cuts him off and he proceeds to cuss it out. And lo and behold, who's driving? 
It's the one and only the Joker. Now, now this this opening kind of strikes me as odd because like I recall like at the time there was really not many episodes of like this animated series that weren't Batman centric. Yeah. Like uh, it always struck me as odd that like this episode is like barely features Batman at all in totality. No, it is kind of weird. Um, it's kind of like that Harley episode, the Harley <laughs> Quinn show episode. Um, where it st- starts off with the two toxic fanboys, um, the TLJ hater and the uh, <laughs> Snyder fan, who, which I am, but it doesn't matter. And, and the episode is that Harley's like not in it. It's about Batman. It's like a little it's like that, but a billion years ago. And about oh, the Joker. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that is like a little inverse of it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that's, that's a- exactly what they were going for as well. That's so funny. <laughs> So anyway, the Joker proceeds to kind of run Charlie off of the road and uh, basically threatens him. And Charlie begs for his life, says he'll do anything. And the Joker basically says, like, huh, anything? And he says, yes. So he takes down Charlie's information and he says, you're going to do me a favor. I don't know what it is yet, but you're going to do me a favor. And then we get a time jump like two years later. Which, which is a really good start to the episode, I think. Uh, Mark Hamill kills it as the Joker. Uh, yeah. If I was reading, if I was reading correctly, this was the first like broadcast episode of Batman the Animated Series that had him as the Joker. Even though the production number uh, Christmas with the Joker was the first one with Mark Hamill, this one was the first one to air with him. Mm. Which is so. Not only are we are we being introduced to Harley in this episode, we're also being introduced to Mark Hamill's Joker, which is like. Let's let's be real. It's like one of the greatest jokers of all time. Yes. <laughs> Not a question. Yeah. So we cut after the two year jump and they're throwing a gala in honor of Commissioner Gordon for all he's done to the city. And, you know, typical Batman plot stuff. It's like, oh, a gala in Gotham. Shit's probably going to go down. Question mark. What did you feel about this setup, Madison? Um, I, I mean, I love it. I, I feel like I don't have any new perspective on it because I rewatched the whole show every year or two. But I love a classic setup. I also love the idea of Joker coming back for a favor like two years later, because that's such a that's such a thing, you know, like I owe you. And then someone's like, I'm going to cash it in. Not like in real life, but in movies, it's a trope, you know. But the idea of this man doing everything he can to hide and the Joker is like, gotcha, bitch. Also, this favor is not even a big deal. We're just going to the gala, you know, Mm -hmm. I think it's so good. I love this episode, but I feel like I don't have any new perspectives now on it. Mm -hmm. So we cut to Joker's hideout and lo and behold, he's planning on doing something for the gala. And and who's there waiting by his side? The one and only Harley Quinn in her very first appearance in her traditional jester outfit. Now, Alexis, is this like where you started to really love the character or was it another episode? I think it was like, I mean, from what I remember, it was like this just because I was like, who is she? I think it was mm-hmm. like a mixture of like, I want to be her. And also mm-hmm. I have a crush on you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Poison Ivy, uh, as Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy, it was like one of my first like childhood crushes. So it really just like went hand in hand. Also be like, oh, Ivy, or excuse me, oh, Harley, yes, that's, I love you and I want to be you. Um, just everything about her aesthetic, the way she talked, uh, loved it from the moment. And I was like, yep, this is, this is it. I, I am in. 
right on. She does kind of have like that little edge to her. She's got kind of the Brooklyn accent almost. Not as pronounced here, but it's like their sense of it. I actually this might be one of my favorite versions of the accent because it's there, but it's not um, it's not so much, you know, but I do love the Brooklyn accent. But I think this one was a really good balance in her introduction. This is actually uh, like the first time we hear Arlene Sorkin as the character, like the originator, the OG, like the Harley for the longest time. Unfortunately, she retired from voice acting for her. She kind of did set the standard for the character. Not kind of. She did. And apparently uh, Paul Dini created this character after being inspired by seeing Arlene Sorkin on Days of Our Lives. Mm -hmm. there There was an episode where her character was like dressed as a clown. And fun fact, I had never seen that footage until I saw Birds of Prey. And that same footage is playing on Renee Montoya's TV. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, like that's like a little tidbit that like people always forget about. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's there. That's like their little like tribute to the OG Harley. I'm going to call myself out right now because obviously I know Arlene Sorkin is the originator of Harley Quinn. But I always my mind is always at Tara Strong as Harley Quinn. And I need to give Arlene more credit because her voice is perfect. She originated the character. And I love you, Tara Strong. But. Arlene was here first. I need to be better. (laughs) For those of our listeners that don't know, I believe Arlene Sorkin's final performance as Harley Quinn was in the Arkham Asylum video game. She did it for a long time. Was that her last one? That I believe so, because uh, Tara Strong started voicing the character in Arkham City. Mm -hmm. So it was Arlene Sorkin in that first game. So back to it. Joker's planning to do something for Gordon's gala. He doesn't really know what yet. And then he remembers that Charlie owes him a favor. We cut to Charlie and he's basically put himself in the witness protection program. He's like changed his identity. He's moved to Ohio. He's got his family there. He's just enjoying life. Then he receives a call from the Joker asking for Charlie. And he says, you got it wrong. My name's Don. Uh, Charlie isn't here. And he's like, no, no. This is Charlie. Like, why did you change your name to Dawn and move to yada, yada, yada in Ohio? And he's like, yeah, I forgot about my favor. Have you? And he basically throws him on a plane back to Gotham, like after threatening his family. Now, this was kind of a rarity at the time, like for, for kids cartoons. Well, there's debate. There's always debate in the fandom of whether Batman the Animated Series is a kid's cartoon per se. But like Joker straight up like threatens his family, which is like kind of unheard of at the time in (laughs) in cartoons. I don't know. I always always felt this like series was groundbreaking in more than one way. Yeah. Rewatching that episode, I it was like wild to be like, oh, they like not shot it, but they they produced this like show as like a live action show. almost. like it didn't even feel animated, Um, Mm -hmm. just like pacing wise and like tone and context i was like oh this is an adult show like i why was i watching this as a kid i mean it was a kid show but re-watching it as an adult you're like oh this is heavy yeah <laughs> it, it is definitely and if i recall don't quote me on this but i think i heard this on the commentary is that uh they were producing it for prime time at the time which is like generally not a time that like kids cartoons play so You're like right on the money when you're like, oh, this is like not a kid's show per se. (laughs) So Charlie heads back to Gotham. He gets off the plane. He's walking through the airport and he hatches an idea 
that maybe he can somehow get a hold of Batman and let him know what's up and what's going down. And when he kind of realizes that that'd be really hard to do, he sees two airport police officers that he attempts to approach. And he's greeted by Harley in her first outfit change ever as a chauffeur, which is interesting because I wanted to bring up that, like, I don't know if this was like intentional, but did anyone else notice that she looked a lot like Mercy Graves from like the Superman animated series? Oh, my God. Oh, you're so right. By the way, I'm shocked to my core that she was dressed as a chauffeur and I'm very embarrassed about that. (laughs) I thought she was a cop my whole fucking life. Thought she was dressed as a cop. No, no, no. She's a cop later on, but at the airport, she's just the chauffeur. Oh, that's what it is. I think I'm just spacing and forgetting the chauffeur part. Yes. No, you're right. I'm sorry. I was like, what was I on when I watched this my whole life? No, but she is like verbatim, like dressed like Mercy Graves from Superman, the animated series, which wasn't made yet. And as everyone knows, Mercy Graves is Lex Luthor's like personal chauffeur. So I kind of wonder if they could like took like inspiration from this outfit change and applied it to like a new character. I love that so much. She's a trendsetter from the beginning. Exactly. Like a hundred percent. Like you already see the Harley influence affecting other stuff. So she basically confronts Charlie and she's like, you're not like thinking about doing anything you ain't supposed to. Right. Then Joker, basically she takes him back to Joker And Joker tells him his big plan that he's going to wheel in a giant cake into Gordon's gala, which is the favor that he owes the Joker. Now, let's all be real. It's not a normal cake. It's never a normal cake with the Joker. Like, I think it would shock me more if the Joker had a cake involved with something or a cake or a pie involved in something. And it just ended up being a baked good rather than just fine. (laughs) Yeah. Rather than a tool for destruction. So this is interesting. This is where Paul Dini and Bruce Tim have gone on record and said that Harley was created because the original concept for this cake for Gordon's gala, it was supposed to be Charlie wheeling it in and Joker popping out dressed in drag, (laughs) which they said felt very out of character for him for some reason, question mark. I don't agree with them. I'm going to be honest. I don't. That feels very in charge. I know. (laughs) Like, do you, do you have a take on that, Alexis? <laughs> I mean, I maybe, I guess, like, in 1992, that could feel out of character. And it's easier for us now in 2022 to be like, no, that's Joker would 100% do that. But I guess back then, maybe they would feel that way. But now, looking back, like, uh, it's, I don't know, I would like to see that, uh, um, like alt of Joker, but at the same time, we would have had Harley. So I'm glad they felt true that character. I do have to say Joker would fuck it up at a drag brunch. Joker would be, he'd go so hard at a drag brunch. I just, I wish I could see it with my own two eyes. Oh man. Uh, Harley gets a season five. Oh Oh my gosh. Please pitch that idea. (laughs) Oh my god. We, we need we, Warner Brothers now. Yeah, we need our <laughs> socialist uh, drag queen to tear up the runway in season oh five. God. I find it interesting that like they're like, oh, it feels like very like out of character for him, considering that like not too many years before the like the Dark Knight Returns miniseries happened and like that one Joker is like very like effeminate and like applies lipstick and everything. Mm-hmm. I 
I don't know. I guess I'm in the camp of like, I'm glad that they felt it was out of character because they had to create Harley. It's just odd. Um, at the same time, it's even more odd that they designed her to pop out of the cake, but then they didn't go with that <laughs> because she's disguised as a cop off to the side. She totally her original character design, like the jester totally looks like she was designed to pop out of a cake out of a Joker cake. You know what I mean? I'm wondering if her look is what they would have wanted drag Joker to look like. Ooh, that makes sense. Wow. Oh, yeah. Like, what if Joker's drag look is Harley inspired in canon in the future? I need an artist to draw this for us, please. (laughs) I will. Yeah, I will pay an artist, please. I've never needed something more. Yeah, every comic book artist listening right now, please draw Joker and Harley <laughs> drag. Oh, do Kite Man and Poison Ivy drag. Oh my God. Yes. Kite Man. Hell yeah. <laughs> Literally hell yeah. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> um. So yeah, at the end of the day, I'm glad this happened. I'm glad Paul Dini and Bruce Tim felt weird about it and created Harley. Uh, so Charlie wheels in the cake. Um. And Harley's alongside him dressed as a cop. She has a good bit where she like bashes like Harvey Bullock's like knee in with a baton. And uh, lo and behold, the cake is rigged and all these gas bombs pop out that causes everyone to freeze in place. And then the cake pops open and the Joker ends up popping up out of the cake anyway, dragless. He approaches Gordon and places a bomb on him. And then the timer starts. Now, before this, Charlie had rigged this like giant bat structure. That's like this giant fake bat that's in the building, like rigged it to like shine up in the windows to like kind of signal Batman and Batman as Bruce Wayne saw it. Like, listen, I'm, I'm giving up a lot of like suspension of disbelief here that like he randomly saw it in the rearview mirror and he heads back to the gala. This is where Batman makes his grand entrance into the building and disarms the bomb and gets Charlie out of his predicament. Now, how do you guys feel about Batman in this episode? Uh, you know, he's Batman. He's, he's there. Doing his thing. Yeah, he's there. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, it makes sense that he came in. It is his show. Um, but it, like, yeah, it was nice to have a basically no Batman episode. I always like those kind of episodes and shows where they change something like that. But, you know, he's Batman. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, because that was the point I wanted to bring up was that, like, Batman in this episode feels like a obligation. Like, they're like, listen, the show is called Batman. You can't do an entirely Batmanless episode. Ooh, at yeah, least like, not, oh, yeah, right, not he's here. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah shit we need to put him in somewhere um (laughs) it honestly like it you kind of see the seeds planted for what they kind of wanted to do with the new batman adventures because like that particular season of the show had like many episodes that were like without batman and i'm I'm just kind of wondering what the thought process was here do you have a take on it madison no i love it i mean like like alexis said batman batman's batman you know but I thought it was a good entrance. It's good to have a little taste of Batman in the episode to keep you grounded in the series. It's good to tie that in at the end. And yeah, he comes in, he helps, he's sexy. It's good. So then we get Batman fighting his way through a hallway, fighting against Joker goons. And Harley comes and tries to fight him with a knife. And this is where he basically disposes of her for the rest of the episode and handcuffs her to a rail for her to get arrested. 
And this is where an interesting line comes up where she says, beauty school sounds really good right about now. And this is like where you can tell that this was like Harley's like very first appearance because it doesn't seem like her backstory is established just mm-hmm. yet. Mm-mm. Like it doesn't yeah, feel she's like. still questioning Joker, which I like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I'm, I'm sorry. I just binged all three seasons in like two days. So if I reference Harley Quinn a lot, I apologize. But um, that's like a reoccurring thing is him setting her up to get caught and her being like, oh, it's OK. He loves me. <laughs> it's like or that whole episode where I think it's like the first episode where she's rotting in Arkham and she's like, oh, he's going to come back for me. And it's like, no, he's not, baby girl. <laughs> like, um, But in this one, she's upset about it. She's put off, which is funny for a first appearance when later on we see her and she does not care when he leaves her for dead or leaves her to get caught until her character evolves, obviously. I think in season two, it happens again and she gets she's pissed that time. But yeah, I just think that's interesting to see it right off the bat. He's doing this shit with her. It's kind of funny. I mean, it's sad, but it's it's funny for the show. It is kind of interesting that she was created as just like this, like throwaway goon, like literally like no backstory, no nothing. Like you're probably not going to see her after this. And it's interesting to me how the fans just like latched on and Paul Dini latched on and like just got her in a grip that they couldn't let go. And they were so right. It's like also weird where it's like you're introducing like I'm assuming I think it's like his first female goon and Mm -hmm. like think of that idea as just like a throwaway idea where you're like wait there's something different about her like she's not like his other goons like you're just gonna give us this one episode of her it's just I don't know that's such a interesting way of like I don't know creating a character where it's just weird to think about like knowing everything we know now and being like oh you could have just been in this one episode and we would have been like whatever happened to that one female goon in that one episode kind of thing she would have been the I'm sorry for my Star Wars fandom reference she would have been the glup shitto of the Batman fandom like one episode but every there's like a die hard core group of fans that just loves her so much (laughs) Oh, I was going to say, like, even in, like, our, in, not our show, but in the Harley Quinn show, it's, it's, like, we have goons that, like, make uh, appearances throughout the season, like, uh, Cheryl, she's not a goon, but she's uh, the police officer, Cheryl, who's, mm-hmm. like, has a weird following, and <laughs> I love, like, her I so love much. Cheryl so much, um, <laughs> she's so funny, oh. and I... Like she's so. I mean, I love her so much that I put her in my uh, the Batgirl story I did for the, the spinoff comic. Oh but my god! It's just like weird to think that if she was only in one episode, but like, yeah, all of our goons like have names and we see them like scattered in different episodes. But it's just funny that they do They could have just been a one-off, like Harley, and yeah, maybe yeah. one day Cheryl will have her own empire. It's my dream. I- I love the episode. I'm sorry. I keep going back to the show. I love the episode where um, they're getting the the porn stars to give them <laughs> autographs. And she's like, it's for my husband. <laughs> like, it's not for your husband, Cheryl. <laughs> I love you so much. <laughs> she's so great. Lake Bell does such a good job. So good. So we're, like, if she's going to get her own empire one day, are we going to get a Cheryl spinoff series? No, I'm kidding. Oh, I need I it. Wish. That's the only cop show I want is a Cheryl show. A cab, except Cheryl. Except Cheryl. All Cheryls are beautiful. The lines are blurred. Cheryl like worked for Bane for a minute. You know, she's yeah. she's her own person. I was gonna say, isn't she working for Joker? 
in the finale. Yeah, you're right. Oh yeah, she's just doing. Oh yeah, because he dismantled the. Um, yeah, he got rid form, of the police. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I love when she's working for Bane though, and she just like decimates Gordon. <laughs> like so. Oh, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna be in her fandom now. Thank you. Okay. So <laughs> back on topic. I do love these tangents though. Like, don't think I don't because I do. This is not a Cheryl them. podcast. <laughs> yeah, like um, I mean, come on, anything's possible. Let's be real. Um, so Batman confronts Joker in this temple, which I'm guessing this gala was like at a museum. They never really established that, but they got this this whole like Aztec set up with like spiked floors that flip around and whatnot. And Batman basically like tricks the Joker into thinking he's like been defeated. And the Joker like goes outside and we get a confrontation with Charlie and the Joker. And Charlie is basically like, you know what? I'm like fed up of your shit. And he threatens Joker with a bomb and threatens to blow both of them up, which is quite the escalation. I mean, we know that Joker's used to doing that, but not not Gotham civilians. I mean, come on. This is a kid's show. <laughs> Maybe not a kid's show now that we've established already. So basically, like Joker's like, you're not crazy enough to do that. Yada, yada. Like, why would you do that? You'll kill yourself in the process. Charlie's like, listen, I don't care as long as you're not around anymore. And this is where the Joker acts a little bit out of character. It's so weird that they created Harley because they didn't want the Joker to act out of character. But then they had him do this scene where he like begs for Batman's help to get like Charlie off of him. Like, I don't know. It's it's, it's interesting how like they're all like, we'll have the Joker beg for Batman's help, but we won't have him dressed in drag. I don't know, just observations I'm making. And yeah, it, that was a little like off. Mm-hmm. Just to, like, because you don't, you never begs really, like, unless it's a joke or he's like tricking someone. Uh, like mm-hmm. when I was watching it, I was waiting for like a punchline or for like a twist. Uh, and no, he was seriously asking for help. Yeah, it, it's it's a little weird and a little out of character for him because I was waiting for the punchline as well. And no, I, I guess the punchline comes when Batman reveals he's been standing there the entire time and kind of saves the Joker from Charlie. And this is where Charlie throws down the bomb like to Joker and him and Batman get all scared and the bomb blows up and it's a gag bomb with confetti. And then they have a weird Batman out of character moment where he laughs and the episode ends with Charlie going back home and appreciating his life. Weird episode overall. Now that I like really had to look into the context of it. I don't know. What do you what do you guys feel about this episode with like Harley's first appearance and like so many major characters acting out of place? I mean, it definitely could have used more Harley in my opinion, but that's just me wanting to see more of her in her first appearance, but it definitely felt like weird, especially because I haven't watched it since I was a kid. I was like, was this what the whole show was? And then I watched uh, like clips from all the other episodes. I was like, no, this is like what I remember more of it. But I, it does make me want to like go back and rewatch the whole series. But yeah, the episode does feel a little different in a way, which I guess is good. Um, because Harley is going to make things different now that she's in 
Gotham. Yeah, it's uh, I, I definitely agree with you. It feels an episode where like kind of the series is like trying to find its own footing. Like we, we got to keep in mind that this was made around the era where like Batman barely became like dark, quote unquote, again, after the 89 movie. So they were probably like, well, how do we like how should we go about the characterization of some of these people? And um, I feel like this this episode kind of loses a lot of footing. I feel like Harley is the best thing about it, even though she's in it like, gosh, it feels like 10 seconds she's in this episode. She is there and and then she is not like that's it. I don't know. What do you think, Madison? So I don't really mind it seeming kind of out of character for the characters, because, for example, when I'm watching anime, my favorite episodes are the weird filler episodes. Like, and all the characters go to the beach together. They don't like each other, but they're all at the beach. together. You know what I mean? I love those little weird episodes where people are acting off um, and it's fun. And this episode's fun for me. So I don't really mind that it's not super in character or like adhering to canon. I do wish there was more Harley Quinn in it, but it's good to see Batman laugh and Joker ask for help sometimes. Yeah, it was definitely was fun. When I say it's different, I did not mean I don't think it was fun, but... Uh, oh, no, I didn't say, think you meant that. <laughs> were you saying as like a, a beach episode, like an anime, like that that clip? So I was like, oh, yes, it is the beach episode. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Wow, Madison, look at you with the deep readings or like the, <laughs> the, the, good, the good metaphors, the good allegories. Thank you. Thank you. This is why we brought you on. Um, <laughs> do you want to introduce our second episode now that we're done with Joker's favor? Of course I do. The second episode that we watched today was The Horse and the Sparrow, which is season three, episode 10 of Harley Quinn, the animated series, um, which is an HBO show. It aired September 15th, 2022, so it is a very, very new episode, directed by Junkie Park, written by Sarah Nevada Smith, starring Kaylee Cuoco. Why can't I say her name? Cuoco? Is that it? Yeah, Kaylee Cuoco. Cuoco. Okay, thank you. Starring Kaylee Cuoco, Lake Bell, Ron Funches, Alan Tudyuk, and J.B. Smooth. After her terraforming plan goes awry, Ivy is enticed by an offer to take over the Legion of Doom while Harley questions her path forward. It's Harley's most recent and possibly most impactful appearance in canon. I don't even know where to start with this one. Does anyone uh, have any opening thoughts on this episode? <laughs> shout out to Sarah Nevada Smith uh, for writing a great episode. I love her. She's fantastic. And she did a great job with this. Seriously, it's such a good episode. And it is really interesting seeing the arc of Harley as a whole go from villain, like girlfriend to one of the nastiest villains to part of the Bat fam. And I don't want to spoil it. I know we're going to deep dive the episode, but what an arc. Oh, we're going mean, to we're, we're going we're gonna to spoil it. You no, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just so good. And if you put in even her change from Suicide Squad through Birds of Prey, we see this change happening over the years and it's not like the character drastically goes back and forth. It's it seemed like a very gradual and organic growth from her origin through this finale of this season. So it's it's really cool to see. I love it. Yeah, she feels like almost human with yeah. how, how gradual it is. It's not like she just like changes on a dime from one season to the other. There's like actual growth there. Like 
even compared to season one, Harley to yeah, this episode, yeah. it's she's such a different person. Yet she's still like the same person. And you just like you feel like oh, you have matured and you actually have learned things uh, over the course of our time together. Exactly, and it's so funny because. I mean, season one, episode one versus now, but even season three, episode one versus now, she's killing everybody, kidnapping the queen. They're on their like honeymoon thing <laughs> where they're just killing a bunch of people. Dad joke with the queen aged well. We, yeah, can, right. we can get out what I just said if we need to. <laughs> no, oh, I no. think they had to censor it in the UK. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, no, but we see her being so chaotic. I mean, season one, all she wants is to be in the Legion of Doom. That's her only thing is to be in the Legion of Doom. So seeing her growth through the show is, like you said, so human. And I love a redemption arc. I don't love when a redemption arc is rushed. So I don't know. I think it's perfect. What do you think, Raina? Oh, this is uh, one of my favorite episodes of the season. It's really hard to pick a favorite this season because I felt like I was tweeting out every week. I felt like literally after every episode, I was just like tweeting out. Oh, my God. This is like one of the best shows on television right now. And some of y'all are sleeping on this. Um, I did. It's the relationship stuff in this show is like what's really like punching me right in the gut. That's like it feels like how do I put this? It feels like so natural and like it's tackling it in a way that feels very mature, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I agree. The whole show has done that. Alexis, do you have any insight you can give us onto this episode in particular, maybe? I might try. It was like they were in the room two years ago um, because I was still just an assistant on this season, but I was fortunate enough to like be in like I got to be in the room. So I got to like watch all of this happen. And it is crazy to be like, Oh, I remember like the days we got notes on certain scenes. And now I'm like seeing it come to like fruition and just like seeing the finished product. But that was like two years ago. And then to watch it now, I'm just like, Oh, wow. Flashback. I remember all of this, but also I don't, it just seems like a blur because there's so much that happened. But I will say like writers, they had on season three were just like amazing. And they were, I mean, they're all very mature uh, writers and people, but also very immature. The, the jokes in the room, very, very fun and like, a really fun energy, especially because it was on Zoom. But yeah, like, you know, those writers, a lot of the writers have been there since season one and like they know these characters, they know what they're doing. And it's, I'm glad they got to like grow with Harley and shape her into what she is now. But um, Sarah just, she really, she really knows Harley and she also really knows Batgirl, which I'm glad Batgirl got to have like a larger part in this finale episode because mm-hmm. I do, I do love our, our Batgirl so much. Yeah, I was actually, that was going to be one of the first things I was going to bring up that Batgirl this season in particular is like shot to like, top three like favorite characters of the series so far she's really wonderful and she's voiced uh wonderfully by uh brianna kruko and uh yeah i i just i just i can't praise it enough like the way everything all these different elements like come together to mesh really well like you said you got the immature humor but also the very mature side when talking about relationships and toxicity and whatnot 
And it all just forms into like this cohesive package that not only as a Harley and a Batman fan, but as a DC fan is like immensely satisfying to watch come together, especially in this like finale of the of a fantastic season. Well, I love hearing that because like when season one and two were just on DC Universe before it moved over to HBO Max, I would be like, oh, I'm working on the Harley Quinn show. And people were like, what are you talking about? And they had never heard of it until... It finally got moved over and now it's just so great to hear like and see people being able to actually like watch it on a platform they heard of sorry do you see universe um <laughs> uh you're great for reading comics on i i appreciate you but i'm glad it, it's on a platform that actually like can reach a, a large audience and it's so nice to hear kind words people enjoying it yeah it's uh it's so good it's really funny um you know, those memes where dads are like, oh, I'm not going to watch the show with you. And then they stand there in front of the TV <laughs> and they're watching the show. For the last couple of days, every time my boyfriend walks in the room and he sees I'm watching, he won't sit down with me. He will stand and watch entire episodes at a time, <laughs> just standing there transfixed on the TV, watching the entire episode. It's so funny. Very weird. It's like a guy thing to do, but... I think it's so funny. It's that eye catching and that it draws you in that much where you can't even walk around and do other things while watching. You're just like focused on the show. Yeah. Like when we were in post for, so I started um, in post of season two. And so like, I've had to watch these episodes so many times mm -hmm. and I have never gotten bored. Like yeah. I, I've seen these episodes 10, 15, 20 times, like all in different stages. And each time it's something new and something like there's a joke I missed or um, like a visual joke or cue. And I was like, oh yeah, this show is amazing. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just really fun. And I never get tired of watching it, uh, even like while being in the midst of it. That's it's so just awesome. like one of those special shows that you like physically can't get tired of because it's so fun. We're not going to dive too deep into this episode because we really want you to go on HBO Max and watch it. And because it's so new, we don't really want to spoil the surprises that this episode has. Like I said, we're going to spoil it, but we're going to try to keep it sort of do a minimum. Maybe not. Yeah, we don't want to do a whole deep dive of the episode because you should watch it and come back and listen to this conversation. Yeah. Or like if you're not able to, we totally understand HBO Max is kind of pricey, but um, we do really suggest listening. I mean, watching the show because it is so new. So we don't want to like do a full deep dive of this one, but we do want to talk about some of the like interesting connections and differences between Harley through her portrayals from the beginning to the end. Yeah, because this episode is almost like a like a little 30th anniversary, like 30th yeah. birthday celebration. Yeah, we're just a we're like one month late, almost exactly as we're recording right now. <laughs> Do you guys mind if I ask you some questions? Yeah, cool. And no, I don't mind. I'll start with you, Alexis. Um, no biases. I know you work on this show, but what is your favorite portrayal of Harley Quinn? Hmm. That is a good question. I mean... <laughs> I do love Arlene Sorkin. Um, mm -hmm. I think she's the OG. I do. Like, I love it. But I I do really enjoy what Kaylee's done with the character. Yeah. And um, it's not because I have heard it for the last three years um, nonstop. Like, I really enjoy that she's made it her own and she's like 
sometimes she will do the accent. Like when she went back to visit her parents on one episode, the Brooklyn <laughs> accent came out. And when she was doing the accent in the, the Bruce Wayne mind episode, uh, the flashback, um, just you could, you could hear it, but it's like, I don't know, that to me, that is like our Harley right now. And I, again, I think it's like, I do like the Brooklyn accent, but sometimes it can get like a lot if you yeah. are hearing it all the time. And I think Kaylee has like found a really good like, middle ground where it still sounds like Harley, but at the same time, it's like her own Harley. And I just, I don't know. I really like what she's done. I think she's a really talented actress and I'm really happy that she is Harley. I agree. Raina, who's your favorite Harley Quinn? Oh, I knew this was going to put me on the spot. <laughs> listen, I don't want to say Kaylee also, because like that was my initial answer. Cause I'm, and now I'm like saying like shit, shit, shit in my head. Um, but I would have to agree with most of Alexis's points. Like as, as far as I'm concerned, like you say, Harley, she's the first one that hop, hops into my head, but also, also, and this is a really close, like runner up. They're like an inch away in my mind, in my mind. I really love the James Gunn, Margot Robbie version God from the it, suicide squad. God Listen, damn it. <laughs> Listen, I, I, sorry, sorry, I have exceptional taste, right? <laughs> you bitch. You stole my thing. I'm just kidding. I'm totally joking. Listen, I love that version in particular because she doesn't forget the events of Suicide Squad 2016 or the events of uh, Birds mm -hmm. of Prey. Mm -hmm. She has grown as a person to the point where she's like removing or crossing out like the tattoos that say property of Joker. And she has that entire red flag speech in oh, the middle of the so movie good. after she kills okay. the dictator. And it's so written so well and feels so authentic. Also, at the end of the day, she they brought back the Bruce Tim Paul Dini black and red outfits. So, yep. you know, yep, I'm going to yep, lean yep. a little bit more towards that portrayal. Although, although I do love her in Birds of Prey also, but I feel like the Suicide Squad is like when I see Harley pop up in non-solo movies. I want her to be like that version yeah. of the character. Like that was my favorite. Um, what about yours, Madison? Now that <laughs> now that <laughs> no, I said that one, you know, it's fine because mine is Birds of Prey, Harley Quinn. I find her so charming in that movie. And oh, Margot Robbie. Sorry, I didn't say who played her. Um, it's obvious, but I will still clarify. I thought she was so charming. I love roller derby Harley Quinn. So seeing her on her skates a lot during that movie and the fact that Kathy Ann was roller skating while directing or was that was Kathy Ann, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. OK, sorry. Blacked out for a second. Um, I thought the jokes were perfect, like they were the perfect amount of dirty jokes. I feel like I didn't love her costume in Suicide Squad 2016 or Birds of Prey. I love her visual look in, I forgot, The Suicide Squad. These movies are named like very confusingly. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, the Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Um, <laughs> but I love her characterization. I think the whole breakfast sandwich thing and the hyenas, that's so, it's like every single, I don't want to say Easter egg because they're not really Easter eggs, but like every little characterization that we've grown to love of Harley Quinn was in Birds of Prey. It felt like such a love letter to the character, but I also, please don't cancel me. Um, 
I love Harley Quinn and Suicide Squad 2016. I know it's not a feminist portrayal of her character, so I'm not trying to say that. But as someone who and I'm also I love Harley Ivy, so please don't just don't come after me. But (laughs) as someone who grew up a Harley Quinn fan, I don't know. It it felt it it was so exciting. (laughs) It was so exciting for me. You saw the single shot of her in the jester outfit yes. and you were sold. The one shot of her and Joker in that famous, like the pose, the dancing pose. Um, mm-hmm. And then the scene where she's having like maladaptive daydreams or whatever about her future with Joker is so sad. And I know it's a joke, but it's so sad, but so accurate to the character. And I'm glad we got to see her get away from Joker and Birds of Prey And then especially in The Suicide Squad, but I feel like it would have felt, this is a controversial take. It would have felt like a disservice to her character if we never once saw her with the Joker in live action, because that is where her source is from. That's literally the source material. I love that she got away from him. I, they're a horrible couple, but if Suicide Squad 2016 had never happened, I feel like it would have been a disservice to Harley Quinn because we don't really see her growth unless we see her with a horrible fucking person. Because what does she have to grow from? That stems so much of her trauma, you know? But yeah, I, Margot Robbie, I guess, is my answer. Second answer, Tara Strong, my baby, I love you so much. Um, I don't know why I'm just so attached to that woman. She has such a chokehold on me. So Tara Strong, you're number two. But yeah, those are my, those are my takes for today. So how do you guys feel now that I just went on a tangent about Joker and Harley? Dear God, I'm so sorry. How do you guys feel about the Joker Harley dynamic in the animated series compared to the Harley Quinn series? Let's start with Raina this time. Oh, you know, I was never like I was never a fan of like the Joker Harley like toxic relationship dynamic. I I I watched that show like obviously. you know, pre-transition. So I didn't think it was romantic or anything. I think when I was a teenager, I was like, like Joker doesn't need a girlfriend and whatnot. And I feel the way that their relationship is portrayed now and how she eventually breaks away from it. I sometimes it's hard to watch in her own animated series because in a lot of ways it feels like it mirrors kind of my own relationship experiences with like toxic relationships in the past and the way that I know we said we weren't going to spoil it too much, but the way the finale they like talk about where Ivy is like, I don't want you to have to compromise yourself for me. Mm. Mm-hmm. was just like an absolute chef's kiss because you literally have the scene before where Joker's like, yeah, she bent over backwards for me. She did whatever I told her to and she was down for it. Like the way they go from like that toxic portrayal to this like loving and caring and almost open relationship is it's really nice to see. And like I say, like sometimes it's like kind of hard to watch for personal reasons. Um, yeah, that's just my take on it. Yeah. What about you, like, Alexis? Oh, yeah. Um, like when I was in high school or when I was in high school and I was like in a toxic relationship watching like Harley and Joker, I don't think I knew at the time where I was like, oh, I, I think I'm looking for answers and how to get out of this relationship without like really knowing that's what I was doing. Like subconsciously, I was like, I relate to this somehow and I don't understand why. But like, seeing like 
watching it as like a teenager, I was like, oh my God, this is what love is. Even if it's like weird and fucked up, like this is, this is it. Like this is like true love. He really loves her even if he's like mean to her. But then after I got out of that relationship and like went to therapy and worked on myself and like now in a healthy, stable relationship, looking back and like rewatching, I'm like, oh, this is cringe to watch. And uh, uncomfortable, but and like you were saying, Madison, like if we didn't see the Harley and Joker of it all in uh, Suicide Squad 2016, like it wouldn't have had that big of um, yeah. an effect of where we see her now. Like I'm glad we had that in the animated show because like, I mm-hmm. agree, mm-hmm. the growth and change would not be that impactful because um, we just started off with her already single and like ready to mingle. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I'll try not to tangent on it too long because I feel like I just did a whole spiel. But um, I I mean, I guess our listeners don't know this, but Raina does. Um, I was in a super I was in an abusive marriage, actually. And I am now in the first healthy relationship of my whole life. And watching the show <laughs> and seeing Harley be with someone that is smart and wants the best for her and like Harley's crazy and impulsive and Ivy is very like thinks through things type a type. And that's me and my boyfriend. Like I, I am mentally ill (laughs) and, um, I, I loved Harley growing up because I had a lot of undiagnosed mental stuff that I was not processing. And it was a character that was just fucking insane. And I was like, I love her because my brain works like that. I wasn't killing people, but like my brain was fucked up and I knew something was wrong and I identified with her and my relationships at that time were volatile. They were with people that were horrible to me and I just allowed it to happen because I did not have the self self-worth just like Harley didn't have self-worth. And, um, so like I said earlier, it's like, we're growing up with the character. I feel like at the time that this show was coming out was as I was leaving an abusive relationship, finding a partner that was good for me. So it's kind of funny, like quite literally aging with the character and going through the experiences at the same time as the character. Um, I love it so much. So course, I love the dynamic a lot more in Harley Quinn. It is really hard to watch how Joker treats Harley in Harley Quinn because it feels more real. Whereas in the animated series, it's awful. It's awful in the animated series, but it feels so cartoony, if that makes sense. Like it feels like old cartoons. We'd watch Tom and Jerry beat the shit out of each other every day, you know, but it's cartoony. It doesn't feel real or like it has any real consequences or anything like that. Whereas, um, we see the emotional weight of it on her in recent live action and in her show. Um, and when, I feel like when you see the effects of abuse, the abuse isn't funny. Whereas like in the old show, you could kind of make a joke out of it because it's just Joker. He's just mean. That's how it is. Uh, I don't know if that makes any sense, but I feel like the Harley Quinn show did a really good job showing the effect of the abuse and how it like rewired her brain and how she needed, she fixed herself on her own, but like having someone like Harley and her friends, like King shark, like having them there as a support system helped her unravel herself from like a codependency. And then again, in the finale, like she's still through the the final season, Harley Ivy is now Canon, but it's a very codependent relationship. And Ivy is asking for space and Harley's like unable to give it to her. 
Um, so seeing by the end, Ivy put that boundary of like, I don't want you to change yourself for me. I don't want you to not pursue. We're not going to talk about what she pursues for me. I think that's so important. Like you said, sorry, that was another spiel, but I just love this character. <laughs> but um, yes, next question. I'm so sorry, guys. No, I, I agree with all of that. Thank you. I'm sorry. I feel like I talked so much. No, you're like talking and I'm like silently nodding. I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that a lot. That makes me feel better. We've established that this is a safe space. So <laughs> if it gets a little deep, it gets a little deep. Yeah, Nobody sorry. be alarmed. <laughs> sorry to the listeners. It got deep in the Harley room. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, I am just very passionate about this character. I'm so sorry. Um, so what would you guys like to see from her character in future appearances? I know, Alexis, you probably can't say for your show, but maybe in a video game or a comic book or a live action movie. Um, what would you like to see from her in the future? I'm very excited to see what Lady Gaga is going to do. Oh, and sorry, I'm so excited. I, I was not a fan of the first Joker film. Um, just gonna say that, please don't tell me if you hate me. I, it's fine. I don't care. I enjoyed the soundtrack. I enjoyed the cinematography. But oh, I was yeah. like, not, not the film for me. But when they were like, Lady Gaga was going to be the next one, I was like, oh, I am all in. This is yes. exactly what I needed. Let's do this. So and I, it's a musical? Yeah, I'm like, oh, you're ticking all the boxes now. It's so funny because it's like they took, they looked at the fan base of Joker Mm -hmm. and they said, how can we piss these people off in every way possible? A Lady Gaga musical. I got it. And it's like the exact opposite. I, I personally did enjoy Joker. I've only seen it once and it was the day it came out. So that was like 2019, October 5th, I think 2019. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think it's like a bad movie. That's weird that you knew that. I I do that with movies. August August sixth, twenty sixteen was Suicide Squad, I think, um, or third. No, I think it was the sixth. Anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, sorry, my brain. <laughs> I had my little Rain Man moment. Um, <laughs> but I liked Joker, but I also did not love the fandom that came out of it. So I am so fucking excited to see a movie that is just like a middle finger to the average joker fanboy if that makes sense (laughs) i'm so excited i love you please don't think we hate you all joker fans i like joker but just i'm so ready for that yeah i i really liked in birds of prey like when she was um doing diamonds are a girl's best friend (gasps) in her head like i love that scene so much of like that's where she goes when she's like getting the shit kicked out of her and like it felt so real and like beautiful and I wish we could have seen that whole production mm. so if like if this is what it tastes or if, if it's going to be even like similar to that in any way I'm like sign me up I'm I'm so excited for this I love that so much do we think that straight up adapting mad love like it has to right I think so I think it is I hope it is yeah like like yeah. from what from what I heard, like they said, it's going to be set like entirely in Arkham Asylum, and mm, there's going to be is, big extravagant mm. musical pieces. Like it, it, it sounds like it's a Mad Love movie. I'm a slut for anything set in Arkham Asylum. I love it so. I'm my brother listens to this podcast. I just made myself really embarrassed, uh, <laughs> but I I feel like I can 
I can separate the art from the artist. No, I feel like I can separate my views on their relationship from Mad Love. I love Mad Love. So I hope that it's an adaption of that. I hope it's Chicago, uh, the musical. (laughs) That's so good. Oh, my God. Raina, what do you look forward to from Harley Quinn? Or what do you hope to see in her future appearances? Honestly, I'm I think I'm most excited for the fact that like James Gunn and Margot Robbie have like hinted that they're not done with the character. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm kind of excited to see what they do, because I have a feeling it's not going to be a Suicide Squad movie like this is wishful thinking. But I really kind of hope that maybe James Gunn gets the Gotham City Sirens movie. Yes. Yes. Oh, that'd be awesome. That's what I thought. Yeah. Like, like, I know, like, I know very unpopular opinion that, like, everybody thinks that, like, a woman should write it and rightfully so. But, like, if you had to get a man to do it, I think James Gunn would be the one for the job. I feel like we could do a duo like James Gunn and then a female writer working on it, too. You know? Yeah. Like, I think his movies bring an emotional weight that most other like big mainstream comic book blockbuster movies don't like even the suicide squad, which was like a lot lighter than his guardians of the galaxy stuff, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. brought like emotional weight to it with the characters of Ratcatcher and uh, Bloodsport. Oh my God. Yeah. So it, if he got somehow Gotham city sirens or even just like a solo Harley movie, I think like the way he would have more time to explore that character because he's gone on record in saying that like he like wrote that character essentially with Margot Robbie, like all of her input. Yeah. Yeah. I think if they had like a full movie to explore even more, that that would be something I'd be really into. I love that. Yeah. I would love a Harley Ivy movie Mm -hmm. at some point. Like, Like it has to happen, right? It has to. Like, like Gotham city sirens just like, Harley, Ivy, Catwoman, like, like, even though we have Catwoman in the Pattinson Batman, like there could be more than one cat. No, Catwoman. fuck it. Bring her in as Catwoman. <laughs> I don't just, give a shit. <laughs> and just don't explain it. Yeah. It's a multiverse of madness. DC edition. <laughs> yes, exactly. We're going to have to have a new Flash movie. Might as well bring three in. Yeah. Which I do think is interesting because Margot Robbie like recently did that interview where she said she hopes that Harley becomes like that caliber of character like Batman where it's like passed down from actor to actor and that she's like super stoked to see what Lady Gaga does. Like, Mm, I love that. Like, I think that just opens the door for so much with this character, like in like future adaptations. Um, I completely agree. Would you like me to share mine? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what you got yeah, cooking we'll up in that brain of yours, <laughs> what you're excited for. <laughs> I'm I think right now I'm most excited for Kill the Justice League. Um, oh, shit. Forgot about that. Yeah, I'm so excited for that Harley portrayal. I think it looks so sick. I love her undercut and the buns. Um, I'm really excited for that one. But for what I hope for in the future, um, I don't know. I'd love a Harley solo movie or a a sirens and i feel like if it wasn't james gunn i'd love kathy to do it just because i really liked i liked her girl team up movie last time so i think she could do another one and i i love Margot. i don't really want to see anyone else except lady gaga because lady gaga is my god um but 
I'm really excited for those things. And I would love sirens, but I also kind of want, um, I want a Harley game, like a Harley game, just Harley, just her. It's pretty much a kill the suicide squad. No, like you could play the whole game as her. Oh yeah, that's true. Give me a um, Harley dating sim. Ooh. <laughs> me I love that too, actually, because she's bi. She could you could put every character in there. Yes. Yeah. Let me let Harley turn Gotham into her bachelor in paradise. Oh my God. You don't understand. You just spoke my language so oh deeply. Oh my God. Like a, like a Bachelor in Paradise parody of like oh. Harley and like various DC characters sounds amazing. I need it. We can like. Okay. Let's we, team up, guys. Yeah, we can all like pitch it alongside the Joker Drag Race spinoff as well. No, I'm kidding. Oh yes. my God. Yeah, let's we need like showing, a, let's yeah. Also, the meeting up, we'll we'll get this in. You know, Marvel's like what if show. I didn't watch that show, so I feel like a fake fan. But um, we need one where it's just one offs of like Harley Quinn doing crazy shit, and it doesn't have anything to do with canon. They're not tied together. Just what if Harley went to a drag show? What if Harley? <laughs> Was the bachelor? You know what I mean. What if Harley was the Red Hood? Stop! Oh that. man! And like Joker killed Harley, and she came back from the dead as the Red Hood. <laughs> I love that. Um, but I think what I would like to see most from a future appearance is Harley Ivy in canon on the big screen, live action. I feel like they will be very scared to do it because of the market loss in other countries. And I don't care. I want them to do it anyway. So <laughs> that's how I feel. I think like the market loss with the Suicide Squad was just and Birds of Prey to the extent. I think those were just like victims of the pandemic. Like, no, no, no. Birds I mean, of- like queer relationships. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't want to uh, like call out certain countries. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what? You want to be able to edit those out for other countries. That's what I'm saying, because like when they slip it in as a side character, they can cut it out. I want it to be I want them to make it clear that the main characters are gay. But I think that they might be too. Like, I don't want to talk shit. I love I understand choices. But as someone who identifies with Harley very much, I would love to see. um, I would love to see that. But yes, I would love a uh, portrait lady on fire with Harley. Yes. (gasps) Yes. No, I'm but like, without the sad ending. Happy ending. No, yes. Happy ending. I'm like spoilers. thinking, yeah, spoilers for Portrait of a Lady on Fire for all <laughs> you uh, batshit listeners. <laughs> um, I'm like thinking about that mirror shot and how it's going to be like either Poison or Harley like looking that would into be the mirror. Ivy. That would be Ivy with the mirror on her crotch. And you know it. You know it. She'd make the mirror out of plants. That's 100%. the other what if. <laughs> That's the other you one. Know if we, any artist is listening, uh, you also do this image as well for us, please. Yes. 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 This is like an official commission for you guys to draw Harley Ivy Portrait of a Lady on Fire art. Yeah. Just send me your bone out. Send you a payment. That's, I need this. I know you said artists, but my brain connected that to Ana de Armas. I want her to be Catwoman in the, in the Sirens movie. Did it? Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't she audition for Catwoman in The Batman? Don't tell me that. I will jump. I believe she no, was one of the ones that no. auditioned for. I don't want to hear it. Mm-mm. I love Listen. Zoe. Kravitz. I love Zoe Kravitz. You were perfect as Catwoman. You're the hottest person I've ever seen. But don't get me started. I have been. I have fan casted that woman as Catwoman 
since fucking Blade Runner 2049. Do not tell me that she auditioned for that role. I'm going to be sick to my stomach. (laughs) I'm sick. (sighs) This episode is just Madison yelling at the top of her lungs that she's mentally ill. (laughs) Mentally ill, okay? I... Catwoman in a lot of comic runs is Latina, so I would like to see it for for my own reasons, please. Well, <laughs> but we love you, we love you, Zoe. That's not a diss at Zoe. I just mean in Margot Robbie's universe. I want if we had to find a different actress, I'd want it to be her. Yeah, who's to say we can't have multiple Catwomen? Exactly, exactly. Um, Harley's. Oh, yeah. In fact, you know what? The Halle Berry Catwoman movie does establish that there's more than one Catwoman. Mm, oh, I like where you're coming from, too. I I was more thinking like Batfleck exists at the same time as Battinson. But, you know, if there's like a whole crime syndicate of Catwomen, I love it. I love that. That's, that's the pussy posse. Oh, my God. The pussy posse. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yes. I got, no- I got nothing to top that. Yeah, that's how we need to end our episode. So, guys. <laughs> well, before we get out of here, um, I wanted to ask Alexis about her Harley Quinn comic that she wrote. And, oh, my God. And if she would like to talk about it real fast. Oh, yeah. Um, excuse me. That was for um, Harley Quinn, the animated series, Real Sidekicks of New Gotham. Um, it was like really fun to do. They, they approached the Harley room and they asked if we would be interested in writing a story for, um, a sidekick. And so we all got to choose and I immediately pitched on Batgirl because I, like I said, I, I love our Batgirl and I'm so glad I was able to do that. And we got to work with, uh, T who has been like seriously kicking ass with her, um, eat, uh, eat, Bang Kill Tour and uh, Legion of Bats. And I think she's just like phenomenal with what she's doing with Harley and Ivy on the comic side. And to be able to like be in a comic with her was just like a dream come true. Um, but yeah, it was just, you know, also a dream come true to write uh, a comic for DC. Uh, but that is out now. It came out, I think, in August. So it's been out for a bit. Uh, please. Check it out. Uh, we've got Connor Shin. Uh, did did they do Clayface? Um, I think they did. Um, Jimmy, who wrote on season four, um, he did uh, issue. I'm so sorry. I'm blanking out everyone's story because I am tired. Uh, apologies, Jimmy and Connor. Uh, Jameson, who has been a writer um, on Harley on the Harley Show, he did a Joker story. Um, that one I do remember. Um, but yeah, we all got to do our own sidekicks and it's really fun. And we hope people enjoy it. And pick it up. That is right so cool. on. Creepy question. Is the comic you wrote, is that the one you have a picture of you holding on your Twitter? Uh, yes. Sick. Do you mind if we use that for promotional material? No, not at all. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I no, I have to go through our guests' like I, social media. Uh, uh, costume on there. Oh my gosh. I think I, I did a like started here, ended here kind of. Oh, I love that. Because uh, I did get to do a signing at the comic book store I used to work at in college. So that was surreal. That so, I'm going to cry. That's <laughs> so cool. Uh, yeah, it was, I'm very fortunate and lucky and I'm, it's very cool where my life has ended up now. 
Yeah. Dang. Well, speaking of your social media, do you want to tell our listeners where to find you? Oh, yes. Please um, follow me on Twitter, uh, Alexis Quasar, um, Q-U-A-S-A-R. I think that is my handle across the board um, on social platforms. So give me a follow. I uh, just post about uh, anime and Harley mostly. So if that's your thing, uh, <laughs> please, uh, give me a follow. Um, I'm pretty boring online, but sometimes it's fun. What about you, Reyna? You can find me across the board at JFC Doomblade. You can also find my work being published pretty regularly at Bloody Disgusting. I'm like kind of like the resident video game reviewer right now. So there's like a lot of like, like I had to work on like four video game reviews today. Like my eyes hurt from staring at a screen all day, <laughs> but uh, please follow me there. I interact. I ship post a lot. Fair warning. Um, and sorry that you're subjected to that, Alexis. Oh, I'm obsessed. I'm like, am I liking uh, her post too many times? <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. In fact, I'm like kind of honored. I'm like, oh, somebody out there thinks I'm funny. <laughs> uh, no, obsessed. And Madison, I just followed you tonight, so we cannot wait. Oh, yay! We're mutuals. Um, yeah. It's just going to be a cyclone of shit posting. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Yeah, I, I shitpost a lot. I'm sorry. And you can see my shitposts at Mads Fairchild on Twitter and at Maddie underscore Amidala on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, if you want to hear me talk about Game of Thrones, I'm on Cinemania World's Throne Watch every Sunday, or sorry, House of the Dragon um, on Throne Watch every Sunday night. And I'm here and I'm on Windsor. We do Windsor, me and Reyna. And you can follow Windsor at Windsor Film Club Pod, and you can follow the Batshit Podcast at Batshit Pod on Twitter and at Batshit Podcast on Instagram. Do we want to reveal our next episode? Yeah, let's do, let's it. do it. Do it. Announce um, it. Yeah. So uh, I feel super grateful through my years in the Star Wars fandom. I became mutuals with author Kevin Scott. He's a fantastic Star Wars author, and he also wrote a little Halloween book for Batman called, I think it's Five Scary Stories for a Dark Night, and it's super cute, and we're going to interview him next week about that book, and it'll be our first of two Halloween episodes on this podcast. Wonderful. Um, please uh, be sure to follow us on socials, and go watch Harley Quinn season three, and season one, and season two. Watch all of it. Now on In HBO Max. Yeah. Yeah, dun, like, yeah. Sorry, I was making that HBO sound. I'm embarrassed now. Oh, oh no, no, that's. You're good. Uh, sorry. I thought that was you ending it. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, bye, guys. <laughs>